Welcome to Random Gaming Talk, it's Entertainment Talk's podcast for video games. I'm your host Matthew, joining me today, my co-host is Robert. How is it going? It's going good, how's it going for you? Going good, going good, yeah. Had a uh, good couple of weeks and whatnot. Um, So we were away last week, Um, that was my choice. Basically what happened was there was a big, big um, Premier League last day, last Sunday, and I just didn't quite have the time on the day to go to our gaming podcast because uh, I had loads of games to keep track of, and it was a bit of a, a manic day. Uh, but of course, that was episode 300, so we're into our next 100 worth of episodes, if you want to call it that. Um, but yeah, 300 was good, it's done well. Uh, it was fun to do the quiz and everything. Um, but we move on to this week's episode. Uh, so in between the last two weeks, I suppose, what have you uh, been playing? Uh, not a whole lot. A lot of things in my personal life have been keeping me super busy. Mm-hmm. I'm in the process of buying a condo, so that might be a thing that's happening soon. It's going to be, if I can get it and if it goes through, it'll be nice to not have to suffer the hell that is apartment living here in the U.S., where it is insanely expensive and shows no sign of getting any cheaper anytime soon. Uh, so that's a thing that's been taking up most of my time. Uh, what little time I had, just bouncing between a little bit of this and that, uh, keeping on with the Trek to Yomi. Uh, still a good game, it's just I wish I could dedicate more time to it than I can. I've uh, been bouncing off and on for Hades again. Um, that's just a fun you know, way to kill, like 20 minutes here and there. Um, outside of that, now I haven't really had a chance to play a whole lot of games. Okay, okay. How much more time since last episode have you put into uh, Yomi? Uh, probably not more than like an hour. Okay, okay. You liking it still so far, though? Yeah, I still love it. I mean, it's still the the live-action Kurosawa game that I've always wanted, so cool. in that, it's awesome, but it's just one of those things that I just don't have time. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. Um, cool. So I continued playing a couple of games, some that I dropped... Um, so I quit playing the medium at one point because uh, I basically stopped enjoying it. Then uh, I watched a video um, from uh, J- Jim Stephanie uh, Sterling over on their um, YouTube channel, and they talked about um, the because it's called B- B- not Blooper Team, it's Bluebird Team, B L O O B. Because I think at the time I thought it was called Blooper Team, which is a name that makes more sense. I don't know if there's some different language thing in there, or I don't know. But they're called Blooper Team. And uh was talked about over there as to... Because uh, Jim was talking about... um the the Because I, when I watched that video, I didn't care about like the medium spoilers and and that type of stuff. And talked about, like, they talked about the ending of the game and I was like oh that kind of sucks like I'm glad I didn't put because the reason I stopped enjoying the game was different to the reason that the game was described to be not great because that was a more narrative focused thing the problem I had was I just kind of stopped enjoying it after a certain period of time they they introduced this like stealth section in the game and it's not even really trial and error um and it kind of started getting on my nerves because I was having a bit of fun with the exploration and the kind of the uh, like environment and stuff like the environmental storytelling that was going on this sort of post-apocalyptic 
type thing and this like other world and everything and the way that you could switch between them the character herself was quite interesting um but they introduced this stealth thing and then they made you think that something was happening with it and then the game kind of like broke itself in a way um and then I just was like, nah, you you've you you know when you can tell with a game this can apply also apply with T V shows and films, but specifically with a game where you can tell it's like changed gears in a way, and it's changed from the game you thought you were playing in a worse sort of way. Because the game can throw you a curveball, whether it's narratively or mechanically, and make you think, Oh, that was interesting, you're changing things up. But this was sort of, oh, you're changing things up, but this version that you're changing things up to is not as good as what you were doing a minute ago. Um, and that is the, the, the entire mechanic of stealth in the game. I just don't ha- like how it's handled at all. Um, and then I found out, obviously, through the video that I watched um, about how kind of problematic Blooper Team is. And uh, Jim over on their channel was essentially talking about... Um, because uh, Blue Bluber Team is again rumored to do this Silent Hill thing, which I still maintain I don't think that game exists until we actually have proof, because we have no proof really at the moment. You know this this Metal Gear Silent Hill rumor that we've people have been talking about for ages. Mm-hmm. Because I wasn't going to write it down in the show notes because I I I don't care to talk about it anymore until it actually like happens. Um, because it seems every few months it's like, oh, these games are still in development. It's like. Well, until you actually show me that they are with an actual trailer or something, or a post from Konami saying, hey, so-and-so is working on this for us. Until those announcements happen, there's there's no point really talking about them. But anyway, the Bluber team were again attached to news of a... There's supposed to be like a... Because the rumour is at the moment there's a... Because I'm not going to go into my thoughts on the rumours, I'm just going to explain what they are. The rumours are at the moment that the first... Silent Hill or the second one is getting a remake and then we're supposed to get like a PT style um, teaser for an upcoming Silent Hill game again I don't believe any of that is true until we actually see evidence of it um, but that's, that's almost like somebody took the idea of what Kojima did because he did do the PT uh, thing for an upcoming Silent Hill game that was in development but got cancelled obviously with the debacle that happened there so it's almost like somebody copy and pasted those events, but just attached it to Blooper Team for some reason. I guess because they did the medium horror game recently. I guess that's why. And there are certain because I've never played Silent Hill, but I have seen it. I guess there's certain sort of like, hey, Blooper Team did this, and it's similar to Silent Hill. So let's slap their name onto this remake or whatever's going on. So that's the general gist of the story. Um, but Jim was talking about how. how uh, because he, they really care about um, uh, Silent Hill and stuff. Um, which again, I've got no like personal attachment to Silent Hill because I never played those games, um, and how disappointing that would be. So, uh, but long story short, I stopped playing, <clears throat> stopped playing um, the medium because uh, it just became dis- disappointing to me. Um, but given what happens in the end in the story, I'm glad I didn't put whatever extra time there was going to be into that um have you heard anything about the medium itself i know i know you, i don't think you've played it have you but have you like heard anything about it i've heard of it i'm familiar with what it is i never had any interest in playing it so mm-hmm. okay um but that was that and then i played a very small portion of back for blood and i just didn't like it 
Um, I don't think it's a bad game. I It's one of them games, you know, where you sort of play something and you think, this is a good game, but it's just not for, it's not for you. And you can tell it's with Back for Blood specifically, it's more of a like this, uh, kind of party game and stuff. <coughs> um, and I just sort of thought like, okay, this, this isn't really what I want from a zombie game. So I kind of just dropped that. Again, not because I disliked it, just because I thought this isn't my kind of zombie game um i did have a little bit of issues with the um the gunplay itself i thought it was a little bit wonky um at certain points but you know it is what it is so um but the big thing i kind of wanted to mention um before i talk about why i'm actually playing is i've now completely finished with the last of us 2 um because i remember mentioning on episode 300 two weeks ago that i was either doing or did my uh, permadeath run. I think on that episode I mentioned that I'd finished that permadeath run. So that was where I did New Game Plus on light. Because why would you make permadeath any more difficult? And then did permadeath per, jap- per chapter. And then I, I think I mentioned that I'd started the grounded playthrough. Um, and it was really interesting because as I kind of said on the episode... That's where you switch things around because in in the light permadeath per chapter it was sort of if I die I start 30-40 minutes back. But the enemies are a lot weaker, they're not as smart because I'm playing on light difficulty. But you switch it around to grounded, no permadeath. It's like the checkpoints are much, much, much better. And when you get past encounters you can actually save it because you can't obviously save the game on, on grounded. It doesn't work that way. Um, plus that would defeat the whole purpose of permadeath. Which would be loading a save, so it doesn't work that way. Um, but on grounded, it's sort of like the enemies are obviously a lot harder to deal with. Um, but the checkpoint system is up to you because you can save whenever you like. Now I haven't got the YouTube channel's name to hand, unfortunately. I'll try to get it next time. But there is a very specific setting in the accessibility options, which you can turn on whatever of those that you want. Those are not like difficulty settings. Those are just accessibility options. So if you want to play the game on like permadeath or grounded, you can turn on whatever accessibility options you want. It won't affect your trophies or or anything like that. There is a mechanic that you can use. And for anybody else that wants to do this with The Last of Us 2, I would highly, highly recommend it. Because if I didn't have this option switched on, I'd possibly still be doing my grounded run through. You can do something, and it works within certain limits, to where um, it's called um, your invisible-ish to the enemy if you lay it on the ground. And what you're able to do with this accessibility option is if there's like big set piece areas, you know, loads of enemies, they're shooting, or maybe it's a stealth area where you got you got to work your way through. Um, enemies can notice you if they, um, obviously if, if you're crawling along the floor and an enemy walks over you or bumps into you, then obviously they will spot you. There are also certain things like if you, because I noticed at times I would have like a bottle or a distraction, um, a piece of equipment, so like the stun grenade that you can get. If you are trying to aim at something... So let's say you're trying to pull off a stealth bow and arrow shot or you've got a silenced pistol. If you're aiming but you're still laid down on the ground, an enemy can see you. So where the actual small challenge but interesting challenge comes in is when you do get into certain areas that have either a lot of guards 
or are closer, you know, tighter sort of areas like corridors and stuff, you can't you can't basically just like load the level, press and hold circle, and just crawl all the way to the end. You you can do that with certain levels, and it's quite incredible what you're able to do with that. Um, but that's only if the enemies don't spot you. Now, if you're smart enough and you can kind of see like, okay, that enemy's going that way around this truck, so I'm going to crawl the other side around this truck. Um, dogs also can't sniff you out, which is really interesting because obviously that was one of the big things in the game. Um, it's it's the only kind of mechanic that I would look at, but I would say it it is slightly game breaking. But it doesn't mean that you can just again lay down and crawl through the. You can't crawl through like the entire game. Obviously, there is like mini boss areas and uh, bloater bosses that you got to deal with and that kind of stuff. Obviously, you can't crawl through those. Um, but it is quite remarkable with a lot of set pieces how you can, if you are crawling the right areas and you're you're throwing bottles at the right things and not getting caught out, um, that you can just crawl through entire areas. But there were still areas where I got caught out and. You know, I thought an enemy was going one way, I went the other way, I couldn't turn around in time, they stepped on me and then, you know, all hell broke loose. The thing with that as well, and you can do that on any difficulty, but obviously I chose to have that as, um, to help me go through Grounded. Because you're playing on Grounded and the enemies are at their highest, you know, level, if you do get caught out, and let's say you're in the middle of the street or something and there's loads of enemies... You get caught out, that enemy starts shooting at you, they obviously alert everybody else, all hell breaks loose, then you are in trouble. So it's this really fine line of being able to crawl past loads of enemies, but if one spots you, they all spot you, and you, you can kind of run off, lose them obviously, and try it again, but you still fail that kind of attempt. Um, but uh, what, do you, what do you kind of think of the idea of that, like being able to crawl around and stuff? I think it's interesting as a game concept. It's one of those that I'd have to actually play with it to really mm -hmm. get a better sense of it. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it it was both a mixture of being really, really fun because I would crawl through certain areas and uh, I, I'd like, you know, I've played this game like six times now and on all the other playthroughs I'd never had that type of experience with it. So um, it was pretty fun. But then... Um, when I'd get caught out, I'd be like, oh, shit, I've got, I've got to run, kind of thing, because then you can't get away. Um, but there's a satisfying kind of thing that connects to that, because there's certain areas in the game, right, where you've got a set piece of enemies, and usually, like, an area to either crawl through, or something to jump, like a wall to jump over, like, something to, an area to pass through to get to the next level. And what you can do in a lot of areas is because there are a lot of sort of doors and you sort of like budge them open or whatever or a lot of walls and stuff and you climb over them as soon as you've like pushed through that door it doesn't matter what enemies are on the other on the on the side that you just came from um ellie or abby or whoever you're playing as will lock the door and the enemies cannot get to you um so it's sort of that relief thing like once you if you get caught out slightly you press triangle and then you press and hold triangle like when the character's pushing that door because somebody's put something on the on the other side and when you just get to that push point of like you finish that bit of the mechanic there's still a bit of the animation left but you've pushed through the door and it's just a re like you get that sense you get that sense of relief of like you you've escaped kind of thing so 
it's uh, really good. But yeah, that's me completely done with The Last of Us. Um, I unless I want to jump in and have some fun with like the encounters or something like that, but I, I don't think that's going to be anytime soon. Um, Did they ever release the multiplayer for that game? Or no, because Factions Two, which is in development now, is like a it's being treated as a bigger, separate, um, like game. So. Because uh, okay. I know what you mean. Because when they did the first game, they uh, did factions with that. So, but this is supposed to be like a bigger kind of project. So, because uh, yeah, we're supposed to have the remake for some reason of the first game, and then the uh, factions too at uh, at some point. So, which for me, because I never played the factions game, um, I don't know how to feel about a Last of Us multiplayer thing. So it got really good reviews for it. I yeah. never had a chance to really play it because by the time I played the game, it was long past since the launch. But from the people that I know that were in it on day one said the multiplayer was like almost as good as the actual game itself. Hmm. See, the thing for me is like, I'm sure the great gameplay mechanics and that kind of stuff will be there. I just, when someone says the last of us, I don't think multiplayer. I think like, you know, strong characters, narrative, story driven, because um, when I'm thinking of multiplayer, I think of like COD and stuff like mm-hmm. that, um, which still has a great story to it as well, like the the COD games. But it's that's like a maybe like a personal distinction for me, where it's sort of like I just look at The Last of Us and think multiplayer. Like, hmm, that's not why I associate that with. But I'm sure it'll be great and everything. So we shall see. Um, the only other piece of Last of Us content that I have to play. Or I want to play is the Left Behind DLC, which I never actually did play. That, however, is going to be available, obviously not as a PS Classic because it's not a classic game, um, on the play, the, the new PlayStation Plus thing. So when that comes out, I'm probably going to use that to play that because um, otherwise, because I think it's like a digital only DLC kind of thing. So I'll probably <coughs> experience that with that. Um, but uh, so that's me done with that. Um, I've moved. I, I'm. I've moved back to um, Guardians of the Galaxy. I wrote the game off before because I didn't really stick with the gameplay, but I kept hearing over and over and over again about how great the story and the characters are. And um, then I remembered when I played it, I played it on PS4, so there was no haptic feedback. To me, because to some people, haptic feedback might not seem like a big deal, but then once you experience it, you kind of realise the, you know, capabilities of it. So I got it back, I booted it up, you know, installed it, my save from PS4 was still available, which was good. Um, And then I started playing it, and there was a cutscene that was playing, and it started doing some haptic feedback. Not in the way that, like, Astrobot would do it, and, and that sort of stuff. This is a third-party game. But that's literally something that, like, if you put haptic feedback into your game, regardless of what the game is, that does make me automatically more interested, just because of, like, the very cool ideas there. So, I want to see what that's about. I do want to give it another chance. Um, David said he enjoyed it. A lot of other people said that they enjoyed it. It's just that the the gameplay for me didn't really work that well, but I I do want to give it another chance and not write it off too early. Uh, So, that's what I'm going to be trying to play Uh, in the meantime. Have you played any of the uh, Guardians game? Uh, no, I know it hit Game Pass, but it just never oh, had any real oh. interest for me. Okay, I didn't know it was on Game Pass, so, yeah. Um, I think that's also on the PS Plus extra thing or whatever, so, there we go. Uh, anyway, that's what we've been playing recently, uh, let's get into some housekeeping, and then we'll get into some news. See you for that in a minute. 
Hi there and thanks very much for listening. Today I'm here to tell you about our two different affiliate links. The first of which is our Amazon affiliate link. That's where you can shop on Amazon. We can get a small cut of what you spend but it won't cost you anything extra. So whether you're getting a gift for somebody else or treating yourself or maybe both depending on the occasion we can get a small cut of what you spend but it won't cost you extra you can find the link to our amazon affiliate link in your show notes the second affiliate link for today is our Kualu affiliate link if you want to get started with a website and a domain name of your choice you can simply sign up with Kualu using the link in the show notes they also have a live chat support system that's in the bottom right hand corner as well so if you need help with getting set up Kualu will be able to help you with that as well the links for both of these can be found in your show notes for Kualu and the Amazon affiliate link If you would like to get the ad-free versions of Entertainment Talks podcast and support us along the way, you can simply sign up over on our Patreon page. You can sign up either as a creator or as a patron. There's no difference there for the time being. And you can get your ad-free podcasts over there. It's a great way to support us on Entertainment Talk and to get rid of the ads and get your ad-free podcasts. You can also support Entertainment Talk on Patreon at the $3 level tier. This gets you a chance to request a review from us of your favourite TV show or film. But it's one per month. So one TV show or film review per month. It's up to you which one you want to choose. We will watch a few episodes of the TV show that you choose. Or of course if it's a film we'll just watch that film and we will review that for you on that month and then when it gets to the next month you can request a new TV show or a film review of your choice that's $3 level tier that does also of course include your ad-free podcasts for the month as well thank you very much for listening and enjoy the rest of the show alright so recently on Entertainment Talk I did a podcast yesterday after Liverpool's defeat in the Champions League which was brilliant um and instead, it wasn't a review of the game. I did talk about the Real Madrid game. Real Madrid beat them 1-0. And Liverpool have not got the Champions League. Uh, Real Madrid have got it. But there's been a lot, a lot, a lot of talk in the last three years or so. Since Liverpool won the Premier League. About this Liverpool side being like the greatest of all time. And all this kind of stuff. A bit overhyped. So I wanted to specifically talk about the achievements that Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool team has done. In the last, well, technically seven years, but more specifically three years. And just discuss whether this team is or is not overrated compared to other teams' achievements. So that's basically the base of the episode there. So I talked about that. Um, so it was an episode just kind of talking about Liverpool and achievements and that sort of stuff. So if you want to listen to that. Um, the wave of TV has started. We've got some shows here in late May and we're about to get a whole bunch in June. The first of those bunch is The Flight Attendant. That came back for a second season and possibly last season. It doesn't need a third season. Um, but that's Kaylee Koku, uh, who's obviously from The Big Bang Theory. And she voices uh, Holly Quinn, doesn't she, in the, the animated mm-hmm. show, which is great. Uh, but she returned in The Flight Attendant for the second season. That's available on Sky Max uh, and HBO Max. Um, so HBO Max in the US and Sky Max in the UK did a spoiler free um, review and everything um, so that was that but I, I gave that a don't skip rating and I uh, generally enjoyed it so have you seen any of that show at all? I did see the first season um, back when HBO Max first came out Okay, I got it 
briefly for a couple months because there's a few things I wanted to watch on it. Uh-huh. Um, I did just re-up that subscription because I saw that Young Justice was getting ready to finish up, and okay. I'm a big fan of that series. Um, so I've been watching that. I didn't know that the new season was out, but now that I do, I'll have to catch up on that. I've been catching up on a lot of stuff, movie-wise. Yep. Cool. Cool. Uh, so that's the flight attendant. Uh, me and David have wrapped up for the first half of the sixth season for Better Call Saul. It's season six, episode seven. That will be back on the early July. I think it's 11th of July or something. So that's Better Call Saul. That's the first half of season six. There is six episodes left of the entire show's run, and that will be concluding <laughs> when it comes back in July. So that's Better Call Saul. But we're going to be moving from that pretty much into Westworld. So look out for all that. Um... Uh, on episode 300 of Gaming Talk, which we did a few weeks ago, uh, we talked about the Gotham Knights gameplay, some changes to FIFA, uh, some updates for COD, and I put out a quiz for you, Robert, and David, and that was pretty fun to do, so you can check out episode 300, also talk about, you know, what we've been playing and David's thoughts on different things and all that kind of stuff, so you can check that episode out. Uh, last week, one of the reasons we didn't do the Gaming Talk podcast, there was the Premier League's final day discussion. Uh, Man United did lose 1-0 to Palace, not that it really made any difference to anything, but uh, that was the last day of the Premier League discussing Man City winning the league, um, who got all the European spots, who got relegated, who didn't, all that kind of stuff. It all, it all was decided on the, on the final day, so it's more of a big discussion kind of thing. Uh, so I talked about that. Uh, and this upcoming week, I should be doing a wrap-up podcast for the United cast for this season, because uh, I still have some things to talk about. And there was some big news that came out today as well. Uh, the Boys is back this week uh, on Thursday. Um, so that's the season three. I did a season three preview for the Diabolical 7 for the Boys podcast. Uh, so I am kind of looking forward to that coming back we'll see where the show lands in terms of my expectations that kind of stuff you can hear about what my expectations are for the show itself that's of course going to be on amazon prime uh i did a piece of a podcast that i put out separately called ideas for toy stories future it was part of my Lightyear preview podcast obviously the upcoming Lightyear film but also listed several different ideas as to what else you could do with toy story in the future we'll see if pixar does any of them but uh, there we go um, did a United cast episode, it was called What is Going On with Marcus Rashford, he's been out of form this season, why is that? There could be lots of different reasons, so I explored those reasons and discussed that. Uh, got my Lightyear preview podcast, obviously for the upcoming Toy Story film, which is next month, uh, it's about the 17th of June I think it comes out, so talking about my trailer, uh, the trailer, my expectations, you know, all that kind of stuff for the preview podcast, and that's what we've been doing recently on entertainmenttalk.org. And on podcast platforms, I am on half term this week from the school. It is closed, so there is no school to clean because I clean at school, but it's not going to be open. Uh, so we'll have some more time to do some other episodes which have already been planned. Uh, chat podcast will be out on Wednesday. I've already recorded half of it, um, talking about you know America and Pride Month and that sort of stuff. But look out for that stuff as well this week on entertainmenttalk.org and on podcast platforms. All right, let's get into some news. So continuing with the good news on the Call of Duty side, forget that Godzilla stuff, <laughs> let's move on to uh, future games. 
Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, which I've expressed before, I am very, very, very much looking forward to. I trust Infinity Ward. I less sort of trust Activision, but Infinity Ward are the developers. Um, had a mini kind of trailer, but more importantly, uh, we have a release date, the 28th of October, 2022, which, if I check my calendar, um, that is a Friday. So Friday the 28th of October, I cannot remember previous release dates, not that that's really completely relevant. Um, but yeah, Friday 28th of October, slightly earlier, slightly earlier than what people were anticipating. A lot of people were anticipating this for a November release, but you know, October, November is still the fall, as you call it over there. The autumn, as we call it over here. Um, so yeah, that Friday, probably that weekend as well, unless something else is happening that I'm not aware of right now. Obviously Halloween is that weekend, but... I don't really care about Halloween that much. Um, but anyway, anyway, the weekend of the 28th to the 30th kind of thing. That's probably when I'll be digging a bunch of time into this game. Um, I probably will pre-order this game. I'm not going to do my rental thing because I'm not going to rent this game for three years. <laughs> so, because I'm probably going to be playing it for a long, long time. Uh, the beta is supposed to be out soon. There was rumours recently of, I think it was August or something for the beta i don't know if they're doing an alpha i didn't hear anything about that um there is three different versions of the game which kind of sucks because there should really only be sort of one uh because you've got pre-order bonuses and cod points and all that kind of nonsense again that's all the warzone sort of stuff what's interesting about me following this game and the news and stuff obviously i'm really really excited i want to know what the guns are going to be the maps what the maps are going to look like what the game modes are going to be you know there's loads of information to still come out campaign I'm very interested in because it's going to be a sequel to 2019's Modern Warfare which I absolutely loved you're going to have the multiplayer which I'm going to be playing obviously most of the time or for most of the game's time Uh, so you know again game modes what's going to be returning from the old games are we going to get cyber attack back Uh, cyber attack which was introduced in 2019's Modern Warfare which was a big big hit uh, you'll probably have your standard kind of, you know, free-for-all, team deathmatch, domination, capture the flag, probably search and destroy. Um, we've heard rumours about an uplink mode as well, probably again some kind of data bomb or something like that. But we're getting a lot of news about Warzone 2 as well, which is to be expected, you know, it's their big cash cow. Which is interesting actually, because... These games, regardless of what you think of these games or which series they're from, whether it's from the World War II stuff, so like with uh, Vanguard, or if it's the Black Ops Cold War, so from the Black Ops series, or the Futuristic series, which is like Infinite Warfare, Advanced Warfare, or the Modern Warfare games, or Call of Duty Ghosts, these games sell incredibly well every single year. In fact, last year's biggest selling game, correct me if I'm wrong, I think was Call of Duty Vanguard. And it wasn't a good game. But it still sold well, obviously, because the Call of Duty name. But what's interesting about calling Warzone the cash cow, which it still is, Call of Duty's cash cow, is Activision's kind of got two Call of Duty cash cows, which is the the sales of the main game that gets released, the thing that's actually going to be $60, or maybe $70. And Warzone, which is free to play, but obviously you get your cards and you've got your 
Um, I don't think there's loot boxes specifically, but you do have like COD points and you have like different packs and stuff like that. Because um, you can actually go to like the storefront thing and you can buy specific weapons. Um, which is better value than like, hey, open this random box for 500 coins and you might have like a pistol with no attachments, you know. Um, plus the packs that you get with certain guns, not only can you see exactly what you get and how many points and all that kind of stuff, you can get different cameos, different special cameos and stuff. Now, I don't buy any of that stuff. Uh, if you want to and you want to spend your money doing that, that's, that's completely up to you. You can actually earn COD points as well through, through doing things in the Battle Pass. And it's a slower way to progress, but you can still get some of those packs and other things as well um, by progressing through the game. But that's essentially the two different versions of Cash Cows that Activision's got, which is the sales of the actual game and whatever people are buying in Warzone. There's probably stuff in Warzone that you can buy that I'm not actually aware of as well, because I think that there actually is, because, again, I don't play Warzone, so there's probably some stuff in there that you can buy that I've not actually heard of before. Um, but anyway, the good news, 28th of October, I now know the date, and I can kind of try to clear things for that weekend and for that Friday. Um, I do plan to play it if it's a midnight, what, Thursday? Midnight Thursday probably release. Because uh, a lot of these games tend to launch at like midnight, don't they? Or like 9 o'clock yeah. uh, Eastern or, you know, those sorts of things. Um, the trailer is interesting. It does confirm that we've got, um, oh, I can't remember the name of the team, but the the main team from the old games is coming back. Which is interesting because, spoilers for the old games that are over 10 years old, um, two of the characters died before. One of them is Soap McTavish, who was who was the character that you played as, and Captain Price was kind of the commander or whatever, lieutenant of the team, and he sort of led the team. Ghost was also in the team as well. The interesting thing with Ghost is, because Ghost has got a mask on, so technically anybody, any, any character can sort of be Ghost, just like how any actor can kind of be, you know, Batman, because you put on the mask and you don't know who's under it. Um, now we never, I don't recall ever seeing Ghost's, uh, face in the Call of Duty games, that was the whole part of the whole thing anyway. But the character of Ghost also died, but Ghost is back in this game. Now, the voice actor has changed for Ghost, and, um, the vo- the new voice, I can't remember the, either of their names, but the new, um, Ghost actor for, vo- for the new voice actor for Ghost came out on Twitter this week and he kind of, you know, came out the woodwork, so to speak, and he's like, hey, I'm the new ghost and I'm able to talk about it now. Obviously, there's NDA stuff and it was revealed in the trailer. Obviously, they revealed his name. So he came out on Twitter and I was like, hey, I've been had to keep this secret for a long time, but I'm happy to sort of be here now and hopefully you'll all welcome me and stuff. And you know, the majority of the comments was like, hey, hope you do a really good job and, you know, we're looking forward to seeing ghosts and all that kind of stuff. So that was really good because... The interesting way that this worked out, the previous, uh, and we talked about this on the show actually a long time ago, um, the previous voice actor for Ghost was fired because he did some stupid stuff. I can't remember specifically what it was, but he did something very stupid. I think he said something on a stream or something like that. Um, But that oddly sort of makes sense because it... You can now have a different person playing Ghost, even though we won't see his face still, assuming that he doesn't unmask himself in the new game. It kind of weirdly works because, yeah, you fired the old guy, but his 
version of the character died. Um, and Ghost, because obviously with Batman you have Bruce Wayne, you don't change like Bruce Wayne's name. Obviously you can have other people that pick up different mantles in DC stuff. But it oddly works because he got fired, his version of the character died. So technically this is like a different version of Ghost anyway because the voice will be different because it will be a different mm -hmm. voice actor. But his character's name will still be Ghost. It won't be like, hey, you, John Doe, under the mask or something. Um, so it, I guess it worked out pretty well with that. Yeah, it's like different people being Bond or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, um, But uh, in terms of Soap McTavish, he did die in the games as well. So I don't know how they're going to work around that. Because people have been trying to work out like what this game actually is, right? And I was listening to a bit of the What's Good Games podcast which i try to keep up with and because they they were like trying to sort of guess what the game was and stuff um what this basically is so you had call of duty modern war so you had call of duty 4 modern warfare then modern warfare 2 modern warfare 3 those games are all a trilogy they're all canon to each other they're all actually canon to these games as well 2019's modern warfare is a revival of those games because Captain Price never died anyway. It's the same voice actor, I'm pretty sure. The same looking guy, and he didn't have a mask and all that kind of stuff. So he's back. Um, some of the other members of the team are returning as well. But I guess there's a, there's a sort of revival where sort of like... You still have the canon of the old game. Because there's a scene at the end of 2019's Modern Warfare that kind of clears that up a bit. The only thing they're going to have... Because you don't have to really explain Ghost's Return because it's a different... Technically, a different character under the same mask, or under a different under the same mask, yeah. But I can't remember the specifics of how Soap died. I don't know if they can play it as a sort of like, oh, he died in quotes into witness protection. Um, and again, this is COD. It's not like you know some Lord of the Rings deep lore as to like who can do what and all that kind of stuff. So um, they can get away with it a bit. I'd just be I'd just be curious to see. Okay, does he just show up and then that's it? Or, like, how how does that all kind of work? Do they explain... Do they talk about what happened before? Um, how does that all kind of, kind, of, kind of go? I don't know. Um, anyway, looking forward to this game. Um, October 28th. Uh, any thoughts yourself, uh, Robert? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> I mean, people that are long-time listeners know that I'm not, the, uh, not a shooter guy. I'm not a Call of Duty guy. It's cool that you know there's a new one coming out for the people that do like that mm -hmm. game you know more of what you like is never a bad thing it's just not my jam so cool don't cool. really have an opinion on it all right fair enough um so we do have a rumored date of june the 8th uh which is when we're supposed to get the full like because this was the teaser trailer that kind of revealed who the characters are that are coming back um and some of the voice actors and that sort of stuff and the general just a, just a bit of a sort of, hey, this is Modern Warfare 2 kind of thing. Um, and allowed it to do that. So on June 8th, we're supposed to get some sort of, like, reveal trailer. What I am obviously most curious about, because I don't, I don't really need, like, a story trailer for this type of game. Um, I can just kick on, kick on into the campaign and just kind of go for it. Um, I'm most curious to see... What do the guns play like in this game? What can this new engine do to push that forward? Again, and you know, weapons, maps, game modes, that kind of stuff. What are you doing with prestige mode? 
Um, what are you doing with the perks? You know, th- those sorts of general multiplayer things. Because anything Warzone that comes up, I'll probably read it briefly, but then just kind of not pay attention to it. So that's what I'm most interested to see. Um, so like a gameplay deep dive kind of thing is what I'm looking for next. Um, but I don't know what they're supposed to be showing on June 8th. Uh, what, what's the date of the Microsoft conference? Is that the 12th? 12th, yeah. Okay, so it won't be the same day. Um, unless something gets revealed... Um on June 8th, like a trailer, and then we get something at the Microsoft conference. Um, although, we will be talking in a minute about a state of play coming up, and Call of Duty technically still is a third-party game, although what, what, whatever was signed on for this state of play would have been probably dealt with before. Because um, whatever was set in stone contract-wise for this game... Uh, like who gets what trailers and what promotional material and stuff would have been already written down before this uh, Activision deal happened. So um, either something on um, June 2nd that we'll be talking about in a minute or something on June 12th for the Microsoft thing. Either, or we might get something from each, I, I don't know. But uh, one of those two dates would be good. It's just a couple of weeks away and we'll see what happens with that. Um, <clears throat> speaking of the state of play, Sony has announced a new state of play for Thursday, the 2nd of June. Uh, it's going to be 6pm Eastern Standard Time, uh, 3pm Pacific Time, and 11pm over here, so GMT. They have said that this is for only uh, third-party games and PSVR 2 news, which to me is exciting. You know, I do like my VR stuff. I, um, I'm not going to be able to get a VR 2 unit uh, at launch. We'll see what they kind of do with those games. So, um, PlayStation, third-party, PSVR 2. Is there any particular third-party games you would like to see here that you think Sony might show us something from? Mm, nothing off the top of my head. Um, I get a feeling that it's going to focus a lot on PSVR 2, so that's mm. something I really have nothing, uh, you know, any kind of a background on. So, Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember if uh, Forspoken is an exclusive or not. That's coming out in, I think it's September or October. Because uh, that's coming out, I know I said that's a next-gen or current-gen game, that's only on PS5. But I can't for the life of me remember if that's an Xbox game as well. Um, so, or it might be like a second-party exclusive, I honestly can't remember. But, um... If that is third party, you could show that off because we'll be getting closer to that release date. Um, again, they might show something COD related. Um, they won't show anything from Moss because that's already come out. We'll probably get like some random JRPG stuff. Which, if that's for you, if you're looking forward to that, that's good for you. They have tended to show a few like Japanese games at these Sony events as well. Um, there's that one, uh, game with that guy in a spacesuit, and he's got, like, this young girl with him, and it looks a bit sort of Death Stranding-ish, like, kind of Kojima sort of weird. I can't remember the name of it, but they could show more of that, I suppose. I think that's supposed to be out some point soon. Um, PSVR 2 stuff. It makes sense if they had some, uh, it makes sense if they had something Astro-related. Because he, he, Astro's kind of the, like, show off your system mascot sort of thing. Because when PS4 came out, they used the Astro thing 
for um, the DualShock 4 controller stuff that you had with that. Then they did the um, Astro's uh, Astrobot Rescue Mission, which was to show what VR could do. I think they did another game after that, and of course then they did uh, Astro's Playroom on the PS5, which was to show both what the PS5 could do and what the DualShock, uh, the uh, DualSense controller could do with haptic feedback and that. So, <coughs> if you're talking launch product, because Astro's their kind of launch character show-off thing, so if you have got, you know, cool little technical stuff that you can do and you want to show what this new controller can do for PSVR 2 and some other stuff that's going on with that. Um, that would make sense. And again, all of these Astro games, apart from maybe Astro's um, Playroom, the VR game, which is short-ish, but it's the longer of the games, I think. Because uh, Astro, so Astro's Playroom, which is the PS5 one, that's a pretty short game. Depends if you want to go for all the peripherals and stuff like that, which uh, is kind of part of the game. Um, but that's where they've come out with these, like, tech demo... Actually, I think calling those a tech demo is, like, not giving it the credit that it's due. But those sort of kind of tech demo-y sort of... We're going to use this character to show off this new hardware type of stuff. So that would kind of make sense if they've made, like, a short Astro game for uh, for PSVR. Do you, do you think they might do that? Yeah, it's possible. I mean, technically, uh, anything could be a tech demo. I've always considered when a console launches the first racing game mm. that comes out for it as a kind of a tech demo, because that's a great way to show kind of the powerhouse of the hardware. So, yeah, all that, uh, the sounds of the engines, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, other than that, cause every, everybody on Twitter was like, Oh, God of War Ragnarok, Oh, God of War Ragnarok. And they were like, no third party. <laughs> so we won't get any updates about like Spider-Man two or obviously horizon just came out. God of War Ragnarok. Uh, Wolverine, um, PSVR 2 stuff. I wonder if team, that London team that made the Blood and Truth games, um, they made the uh, the London Heist and the Blood and Truth games, which are very good, if they might have something up their sleeve. Uh, that's the only ones I can kind of think of, actually, like the, thir- the third party. Um... Yeah, we'll have to see. Hogwarts Legacy, maybe. There, there is a little video I want to talk about in a minute with Hogwarts Legacy, but you could give a small piece of that. I mean, these state of plays have been, what, 20 to 30 minutes? So Yeah, they're pretty quick. Yeah, you're not going to show, like, 20 games here. Um, I wonder, because this will be, like, a few weeks before the PS Plus thing... Um, I, oh, getting that's first, that's, that was, that's specific first party, isn't it? Unless you... I suppose what they could do, if you've got those third-party games, even some of the PlayStation classics that could be third-party games, to show like, hey, this is launching, and this is launching, and this is launching with, or this is going to be on the service at uh, at, uh, at launch with the new PS Plus, you could do something like that, I suppose. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Alright, let's move on from that into the TV production. Unless you've got anything else for this state of play thing? No. Cool. We have to see what uh, happens on June 2nd. Um, which is also the same with within a few hours of the boys coming back for season three. Um, so Sony has confirmed some new TV show adaptions of some IP that they've got. Uh, Horizon, God of War, and Gran Turismo, which is an interesting one. Of course, there's a dozen car shows out there. It's not like that's a new thing. 
Uh, now, the reports I've seen is suggesting that Netflix, because Sony kind of oddly doesn't have their own streaming service. Like, everybody else sort of does. I guess Microsoft sort of don't, do they? But um, Sony's the only kind of big... Because you don't really get, like, Microsoft films and TV shows, but you do get Sony. I mean, Sony produces, like, Better Call Saul, which is on AMC. Um, but it, it still was a little bit odd to me that Sony doesn't have their own uh, streaming service. Because you've got, like, the Spider-Man films and all that kind of stuff. So, anyway. Uh, Netflix is apparently going to be making the Horizon 1, God of War uh, for Amazon, which I think was previously reported. Gran Turismo has not yet been announced for each platform's. Um, when I saw the platforms that were connected to these, I thought to my, and I, I didn't think I would get to this stage with Netflix, but I sort of looked at them and thought, do I trust Netflix productions to make a Horizon show? Because I don't know that I actually do. Um, of course, in terms of like writers and production company and stuff, it could be anybody, but there's a little bit of a distrust with Netflix at the moment. Obviously, they've gone through some troubles at, at the moment. They've still got tons and tons of subscribers, but they've lost a good chunk of them. Um, they're sort of falling asleep at the will a little bit, Netflix. So to give them something as big as Horizon, this big sci-fi, grand-scale kind of thing, I don't know how that's going to go. Amazon, I think, will do a pretty good job with God of War. Um, of course, God of War is kind of a violent IP. You know, Kratos is doing lots of violent things and you've got the boys it's a perfect example of how amazon can handle violence and uh, the invincible series as well uh gran turismo i i don't know what you're going to do with that actually whether you are going to do like a car mechanic sort of show or something with a narrative story because gran, Tur- gran turismo doesn't really have characters in that um not to say that you can't invent characters for the tv show but uh the options are a bit more open with uh gran turismo um, I'll give all three of them a try, definitely, because I've said I'm a big fan of games being adapted to TV instead of films. Um, Uncharted probably could have benefited from that. Um, but what do you think of these three uh, productions being ordered, and what do you think about the streamers that are attached to these uh, shows? Uh, I think there there's all possibilities in it. I mean, Gran Turismo, like you said, it could just be a car show, something akin to... Uh, Top Gear, Grand Tour, something like that. Mm. Um, Horizon, there's enough of an interesting world there that if you didn't make it about the main character, you could probably have a lot more freedom to explore that world building. If you did make it about the main character, obviously my first vote would be for Rose Leslie to be cast as that. You might know her from either Game of Thrones or Time Traveler's Wife. Mm. Uh, that would be my I'm first watching that for that. It's a really good show. Time, uh, Time Traveler's um, Wife. As for uh, uh, God of War, I don't know. It's possible that it might be good, but maybe not. Yeah, I suppose it depends on the goals of these. Because Honestly, it all but, just depends on the script. Right. You can have all yeah. the cast in the world, and if the script is terrible, it's going to be terrible. Mm. Yeah. Find and, uh, uh, Mystery Men on a streaming service, and that'll tell you all you need to know. <laughs> yeah. And another really big notable point is the theme tune. Some people might think, like, why does that matter? For those of you that have seen the Uncharted film, I can't believe the misuse of the theme tune in that in that film. Because they they play the three the theme tune at like three different points 
at two specific points they cut it off halfway through at poorly chosen moments and at another point they remix the theme tune for some reason it doesn't work and then when the end credits come up they give you the full proper version of the theme tune but by then you've finished watching a bad film and you don't care anymore so also things like characteristics for the uh, character sort of mannerisms for these characters as well um Watching Tom Holland as Nathan Drake was fine. He, he didn't do anything wrong in the role. And they did like... His character mannerisms were good enough. And although Mark Wahlberg didn't do a bad job as Sully. It was just Mark Wahlberg in a t-shirt. There, there, there was nothing... There was nothing specific about him where you'd look and go... Oh he did that that makes me think he's playing Sully. Um, they didn't have his moustache, they didn't give him a c- cigarette or, or anything like that. He was kind of just walking around with Tom Holland trying to be the adult, you know, guidance person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or the, uh, what do you call it, the, the, the um, like role model sort of thing or whatever. Um, I just can't, I can't believe how, how two very, very simple things I got wrong with that film. Plus it was kind of a boring film anyway, which... An Uncharted film should never be boring, or an Uncharted anything should never be boring. The whole idea of Uncharted, regardless of kind of the intricacies of the story and whether or not it makes sense. Uncharted's supposed to be a fun action blockbuster video game. So you're at least supposed to be able to go in there and like switch your brain off from the story and kind of have fun with Drake and Sully, right? I, I couldn't do that because Uncharted was boring. And an action film, really any action film, shouldn't be boring because it have, should have fun action in it. Um, so I'm not saying that that's going to happen with these three. Of course, Gran Turismo is a very different ball game with that. Um, but you've got to get those kind of things right. You've really got to get those kind of things right. Same thing with Last of Us. You've got to get those character mannerisms right. You've got to get the theme tune right and all that kind of stuff. Um... The thing is with the Gran Turismo, I get what you've suggested, but if it is just a, hey, here's a car mechanic show, or a, we've got this fancy car and we're going to test drive it, and then you just slap the Gran Turismo name on it, that's a bit of a cash grab in a way. Um, I get why you think that they might do that, and that's entirely possible, but the idea of that is kind of cash grabby, because it's then it's just like a Wheeler Dealers or a Grand Tour, which all those shows kind of do some of the same stuff, so... Um, I would like to set them an interest. If it is going to be like a narrative show for Gran Turismo, there's nothing stopping you making up a character and um having them compete in races and having a bit of a story there. Um, that would be the the challenging way to do this show. But out of all of Sony's IP so far, Gran Turismo is an interesting choice for that because it's not really the one that you'd think of necessarily. Because um, you've got like Last of Us, which has got a TV show on the way. You've got Ratchet and Clank, which could be be kind of like a con, uh, a fun uh, cartoon kind of thing. Uh, I agree with um, Rose Leslie; she'd be pretty great as um, as Aloy, um, and she is good in that uh, Time Traveler's Wife show, and obviously Game of Thrones. And I think she was in a few episodes of Luther, that Idris Elba show. She's quite good in that as well. Uh, basically, what we're saying is she's good in everything that she's been in. Mm-hmm. Who would you cast as Kratos? I know that uh, they've already asked Jason Momoa if he would do it. Uh-huh. Um, so I could easily see that person doing it. Um, outside of that, I really don't know. Hmm. 
Yeah, Jason Momoa would, would fit. Um, I can kind of see from certain stuff that he does on the show called uh, C, which is the Apple TV show. Mm-hmm. He could sort of fit that. Obviously, that character's blind and uses his hearing in a very daredevil kind of way, which is cool. I wonder if there's a bit of a sort of... Because he is kind of good at playing the hunky, shirtless action guy, right? Like the... Uh, mm-hmm. Was it Cal Drogo in Game of Thrones? Him, yeah. Um, obviously got Aquaman uh, in the Justice League film and the Aquaman films. He's very good at doing that, so he could kind of fit that. I do think... Because although Game of Thrones is a serious show, his character isn't in it really for that long. Um... I think God of, God of War with the narrative stuff would be a lot more serious, and I'd be curious to see... I mean, there's some quite serious content and, like, a serious tone in the show called C, so he's got the capability to handle that, because Aquaman's just fun, right? That's just a fun switch-your-mind-off water action film, right? That's that's who Aquaman kind of is. Uh, so I wonder how they would write that material with him, because God of War is much more, like, serious tone, and you've got all this deep lore and that kind of stuff, so... We shall see. What about um, some people were saying Tom Holland for Atreus, <laughs> who is the the boy, of course. Um, who do you reckon for Atreus? Uh, probably not Tom Holland. I mean, he does look young, but the right. dude's he's too old for that age. role. Uh, maybe one of the kids from Stranger Things. Well, I don't know. They're getting older. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're in their but they're now, still younger. Right. Yeah. Um, I can't think of a decent. Uh, maybe the kid that plays uh, Sheldon on Young Sheldon, he might work for that. Mm. Yeah. Um, cause how old is Atreus supposed to be? Like eleven? Something eleven, twelve-ish. About Kaylee Can't... Fleming's age. Kaylee Fleming's the young Judith from uh, Walking Dead, and she did a young Ray in the, in a flashback for one of the Star Wars films. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not very many of those types of ages of actors that. Are either known of or in the, and in the spotlight, or are good because it is kind of difficult in certain shows to get essentially child actors. Um, I guess if you casted like a sixteen, seventeen year old, you could do that because the Stranger Things kids—I don't know all their exact ages—but some of them are like seventeen, eighteen-ish. So they're sort mm-hmm. of passing. They're passing that just now. So unless you started filming like tomorrow, <laughs> you might. Uh, I don't know, unless you can do some, like, um, effect stuff or whatever, so, but, uh, Stranger Things is coming to an end next season, isn't it, so, they're, uh, <clears throat> available. I think, I don't know, I cancelled my Netflix a couple months ago, because I wasn't really using it, uh-huh. um, it was right before they were gonna do the price increase, and now they're announcing that they're gonna start putting ads and stuff, I'm like, yeah, I'm glad I got out early. Mm-hmm, yeah, but, uh, we'll see, anyway. Uh, that's all that for the TV stuff. Um, just want to talk a little bit about uh, Hogwarts Legacy. Um, they are a- adding haptic feedback. I didn't expect that. And that's a really nice surprise. Of course, Hogwarts Legacy, the spin-off game from the Harry Potter IP, which is not going to be focusing on any of the original characters. There might be some nods to other characters and that sort of stuff, but there's not. Uh, it's not Harry Potter's story. It's a story from the. 1800s uh, got what well, a 15 minute gameplay video about a month ago I was very impressed a lot of people were very impressed as well uh, fully kind of open world um, Hogwarts game with new characters customizable characters all that sort of stuff looks really really good uh, some interesting traversal stuff with um, the different creatures that you can fly on 
Um, hopefully some Quidditch stuff. We shall see. Uh, it's from Avalanche uh, Studios, obviously part of um, WB, who owns the Harry Potter IP. Um, yeah, they're adding haptic feedback. I can't remember every, every single specific little thing, but it was sort of like when you cast certain spells, you can feel like the force of it. When you are flying using different animals, you can kind of feel the travel effects of like the wings and stuff that are flapping and that kind of stuff. Um, they said that with certain like magic effects, because you can do things with traversal, that you would kind of feel that happening. Um, the way they kind of tried to show that was... Um, there was a bridge at one point, there's two characters there, and a character casts one of the spells, and this bridge, obviously with bricks, sort of gets formed, and I guess you could do some, like, rock-type haptic feedback. Um, one, one of the most impressive kind of things about it is, because it is controller vibrations in different tones, in different, you know, frequencies and things, the way that you can feel completely different things, so, like... Things like rock and earth, you know, doing hitting stuff or being, you know, put together and uh, all rocky sort of surfaces if you're walking up across them. And then the differences between those vibrations and, like, the pitter-patters of rain or, um, like, if you're walking through puddles and that type of stuff. Um, or the, the effects of, uh, I know in Astro's Playroom, when you're walking across metal surfaces and you can feel the little clanks of metal and stuff. Um, it's really quite incredible how, because doing something like feeling rain effects and walking across metal are two completely different things. Um, or if you've got certain energy sci-fi sort of effects as well, so like little blasts and everything, or energy sort of surges, and how you feel that differently. Uh, it's quite incredible the... Because it doesn't just feel like the same vibrations in different frequencies. You can kind of feel it in what... And again, me kind of describing it is not going to always work. It would have to be something where you pick up a controller. You feel what I'm talking about. And you go, oh, that's what you sort of mean. Like that. Um, But yeah, you've got different kind of things going on here as well. And like different haptic feedback stuff. But just on top of everything they've shown so far. The different potential that this game's got. Because uh, going forward, every third-party game that gets released, I don't expect any haptic feedback. Because these third-party games have been made for, like, PC and Xbox and PlayStation. So PlayStation 5 is not the priority with these. So I, I'm very, very uh, happy to see this. Um, I I hope more just developers in general, if they're working on PS5, see the opportunities with haptic feedback. Um, and adaptive triggers as well. And see what can kind of happen from that. Um, what do you think? Uh, haptic feedback being added to uh, Hogwarts Legacy? I think it's cool if it has a, a beneficial effect on the gameplay. Um, obviously, I haven't. I don't have a PS5, mm. so I haven't had a chance to really interact with the haptic feedbacks on that level. Um, obviously, there's the rumble on the Xbox controllers, but you know, from what I've heard, it's completely different on the PS5 controller. Uh, but yeah, that's cool. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, it's just like... Because you, you get certain things as well. I think there's like a tech demo part in Astro's Playroom where you're, uh, you've are got like the little Astro people in your controller and you kind of tip them from left to right. And it feels like there's little people in your controller. And you know that there's not. Um, but the way you can kind of feel them 
moving from left to right is, is and it's all being done through vibrations it's really quite incredible the technology that they've got here so uh, very much looking forward to this and the Hogwarts Legacy is just another great piece to uh, to add to this game so we shall see uh, anyway moving on from that very much looking forward to that they haven't given a date still it still just says holiday 2022 and again we could see something from this um, for the upcoming state of play for some sort of release date because <coughs> eventually they'll want to get the uh, pre-orders going won't they so mm-hmm. we shall see um playstation classics and the ps plus so we've known this is coming we do have the dates that are out there for me it's june 22nd um for the uk for the new versions of ps plus uh this got launched a little bit earlier in asia i'm not sure why there's obviously different rights and licenses and all that kind of stuff uh, all the nitty gritty of all that kind of stuff that happens, but for whatever particular reason, Asia got it first. I'm not complaining. I'm just you know, it's kind of an American thing. So I, I would, something like this, I expect to come out in America first. So I was just kind of like, oh, Asia, that's a different country to sort of get it first. Um, but they got it first, and some people have of course done workarounds um, where they make new PlayStation Plus accounts, uh, link it to their previous, well, link it to their current one, and you change your location and you know do that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm not going to bother doing that. I'm just going to wait a few more weeks for this to come out. Um, but they have said that Ape Escape is on this service. Um, Siphon Filter is on this. Toy Story 2 is on this service. Um, Abe... What's the first one called again? I can't remember the name of the first one. Uh, Exodus is the second one. Odyssey. Abe um, Odyssey. The first game. And what was the other game that they mentioned? Ape Escape. Abe, Toy Story, Jumping Flash, as you can tell I haven't got a list in front of me, uh, those are some of the ones, there's some other ones there as well that are, that are listed, some of these games are coming with trophy support, uh, Ape Escape, um, there was a lot of people on t- Twitter talking about like, hey I'm going to go for the, tro- the Platinum in Ape Escape, which is really really cool, uh, I myself am not specifically bothered about trophies for these games, I might try to get it for Toy Story 2, just because obviously Toy Story is... Toy Story and I care about it more than most things in the world um, there was also some discussion and I wasn't aware of this, I don't know if you were Robert but I wasn't aware of this specific detail so my thought process going into this was that you can't buy these games separately and you subscribe to this service and you only get the games that are on the service that was my original thought because that was the original way that this was laid out then I heard a bunch of people talking about if you've bought PS Classic games on the Vita or the PS3, that they will be in your library um, when this service unlocks, when it launches. But you won't be required. I don't know if this is all completely true, but this is what loads and loads and loads of people were talking about. And it makes sense that you would you would do that as well. Um, and then effectively when the service launches, if you've got games that you've purchased licenses for, so separately away from the service, you can download, you know when you go into a library you download games, that you, digital games that you've got licenses to, you can go and do that, and I've bought Toy Story 2, because I, 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 I tried it a couple of times, I didn't really quite click with it, but I do want to give it another go, plus it's going to be on PS5, so that will be really cool. Um, I also own a few other games as well. I think I own I own Crash Bandicoot 3. I own one of the 
two of the Tomb Raider games. And I'm possibly going to try Metal Gear Solid 1 again. I have already finished Metal Gear Solid 1, but I kind of missed that series. Um, were you aware of this at all, that you'd be able to separately buy certain PS Classic games? Or, or was you like on the same train as me, you thought it would just be the subscription games? I hadn't heard either way, but it does make sense. Because um, there's no real point in making that an active service if you can't buy the games. Mm-hmm. Um, just because they already have them, they don't have to do anything with them, and it's just free money to let you buy the games. Um, obviously, if you purchased it before, you should be able to download it right. as a license, matter of yeah. law more than anything else because you did buy it. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so how I'd expect this to work is... Cause I'm pretty sure when you're browsing, because I don't browse the Xbox store that much at all. If you click on, let's say, Red Dead Redemption, I'm just throwing out a random game as an example. Or when you go into EA Pass and you see the old FIFA games, you can either unlock it with a subscription or pay such and such money to unlock the game. It always gives you the two different options, doesn't it? So, how, and it does the same thing with um, uh, PS Plus games, I think, as well. Um, I know that it, it happen- I think it does work that way with EA Play because when I subscribe for the month to play It Takes Two, it gave me an option to buy the game for £20 or subscribe to EA Play because um, for them it's like, hey, you either give us this version of money or this version of money, but you give us money to you know buy our product. Um, so how would it, how I would suspect that this would work if you were to, once the service launches and these games kind of unlock... Is you search for Ape Escape or Toy Story or Abe, find it in the store, and then either subscribe to Plus or buy the game. That's how I'd, I'd expect this to work. Or if you already own it, you just click on the download button. Um, so how I'm expecting that to work for the library stuff is the same way I'm, I expect it to work for the PS4 games. Because for example, where I own, you know, Crush Four, Last of Us Two, and some other games, I can go into my PS5 library. Scroll down to those, and they're just unlocked there through backwards compatibility. Something funny and odd that was pointed out, and I watched uh, Mystic's video on this, which is I'd recommend his. Uh, I think it's Ryan over there at Mystic Gaming. Um, he did. I think he did two separate videos on this PS Plus thing because he tested out one of the Abe games. Um, he noted that if you, because he was browsing like the Asia version of the store, when you click on like Toy Story Two. Or the Abe game, the label for these says PS4 and PS5, um, which is odd because they're classic games, um, and I don't know if they've quite sorted out all the sort of like because they're, they're supposed to be labelled as PlayStation classics. Um, not that it makes that much difference. It's just kind of interesting because these have the, these games that are trophy supported have separate trophy lists for PS4 and PS5, um, which is also kind of funny. So. Uh, because some in in some areas they weren't listed under classics, they were listed under game library, which is not where they're quite supposed to be. But again, this service hasn't like launched in the US or anything, so we'll see how it all goes. Um, are you going to be jumping into any of these games at all? No, not really. No. Um, I don't do much for the classic classic games. I'll try some every now and then, but right. Um... right. <coughs> yeah. Um, but no, for me, like I, I grew up kind of either watching these games or uh, being played by my dad and stuff, or played some of them very briefly as a child, 
because I wasn't playing games like seriously back then. So uh, hopefully this will give me the opportunity I've been looking for to properly go in and play these games on my PS5 with save states. You know, you'll be able to suspend these games and all that sort of thing, which would be really good. Um, so yeah, that's the PS Classics stuff, and that launches uh, June 22nd for us here in the UK, so we shall see. Um, Alright, that's all I've got to discuss this week, Robert. How about yourself? i got a couple of things. Uh, first off, in a report from the uh, Game and Network Services portion of Sony's 2022 business segment, uh, Jim Ryan doubled down on Sony's commitment to increase uh, live services. Um, from the slide they put in the conference, they want to double the number of live service games it operates in 2023, going from three to six. By 2024, it uh, wants to go from uh, six to ten, and then into twelve by 2025. So um, I don't know what exactly they're going to count as live service game catalogs, according to the image that they showed. Uh, the only thing that they have as a live service was MLB The Show 2022. Um, so I'm not quite sure which uh, games are going to lead into that. So we'll have to get more info on that when it becomes available. Yeah, uh, this whole Sony live service games thing. There is a good way you can do live service games. Um, I know it's been kind of frowned upon, like all live service, microtransactions, battle pass, season pass. And there is reasons to be concerned about that. And it depends how Sony handles all of this. But the strange thing here for Sony is they've been known for, what, over 10 years now, or probably longer than that, for strong narrative-driven story games. you got Horizon, you got God of War, you got Last of Us, Uncharted, list goes on and on and on. Um... So, I mean, from a business standpoint, yes, there's money to be made with these games. Um, from making live service games, because you do got your microtransactions and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but I just, I don't, uh, again, business-wise, it makes sense. But so Sony's been kind of like, to me, strangely criticized in the past. For like, oh, all of your games are third-person, over-the-shoulder action games. And it's like, but that's what Sony's been so good at for so long. God of War, third-person action game. Last of Us, third-person game. Days Gone, all right, you know, they're all kind of third-person games. But if you're good at doing something, and you're successful at doing it, which Sony is, and you have award-winning games as well, and you have games that sell a lot, and are highly regarded and talked about, then keep doing them um because why would you stop doing that you know uh so i'm curious to see what they come out with that there might be something that they make that i end up liking um of course last of us two factions technically could end up as live service i mean it sort of would be as a multiplayer thing and that could be one that i take interest in um i just yeah um i hope that this also doesn't distract from Again, their their biggest strength, which is these exclusive first person, not first person, exclusive first party games, which they've been so 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 good at. Because as much as you can talk about, you know, the name change taking over a decade, and the PlayStation Store not loading properly on the PS4, and the PS3 not selling, not running well, and uh, sorry, the PS3 um, with the cell processor and all this kind of stuff, and the lack of backwards compatibility, as much as we've all criticize sony for those things rightly so because that's the areas where they have not made things right 
the one really big area where Sony's been successful is these first-party um, exclusive games. And we just have to see the balancing act of what Sony's going to be able to do here. Um, that being said, <clears throat> they did acquire the likes of Bungie. Um, they, of course, are known for the successful Destiny series. Uh, so that's that. That's definitely a company, that, a developer that you could use for that. Um, and there's some some others as well that you could use. Uh, but what? How do you think this is all going to kind of go? Uh, it's kind of hard to tell because I don't know what games they're targeting to be exactly, uh, yeah. a service game. Um, yeah. Until the until we get like a better picture on that, um, we just we won't know. So, mm. which of their first party or their IP do you think could fit with this? Other than like factions too, which we kind of know about. Uh, I I honestly don't know because I know I'm thinking of all the titles that they have. But what could be made into a live service? Nothing really clicks off the top of the um, off the top of my head. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Grand Turismo Seven didn't have multiplayer, did it? Mm, I don't know. You can't even do like um a split screen offline racing thing. It's just like uh the you can do the um. The music test track, I forgot what it was called, the music test track thing, where basically you have to drive to the next musical note to keep the track going, and it's, mm-hmm. like, it's like a time sort of test thing. That's what the game actually launches with, if you haven't fully installed it, just to kind of, you know, get you practiced. And then there's just the career mode thing, um, which again is a bit surprising, so you could probably do something with Gran Turismo. Uh, of course, the reception excuse me, around that game hasn't been great. Uh, with all the microtransaction stuff. Uh, but that's one that you could use. Um, other than that, I'm not really sure what they could do. So we'll just have to see. And who knows, maybe we'll get something announced at this state of play. Uh, that they could use. So, we shall see. Uh, Alright, what, what else do you want to talk about today? Well, another function of the uh, game and network services um, business segment was the PlayStation VR 2. Uh, unfortunately, no official price point ha- was announced at it, but pretty much everybody is going to assume that it's going to launch at the same price point as the original PSVR did, which was $300 US. Um, there's also rumors, though not confirmed, that it's going to launch for this holiday season. Um, they did release an image uh, for that, so we have confirmed that the controllers will feature the haptic feedback, adaptive triggers, and precision tracking. The headset will have an OLED HRD, HDR display, 110-degree field of view, and 120 hertz refresh rate. Um, they did announce that there's going to be 20 major first-party and third-party titles for the launch, with the uh, slideshow from the segment showing Horizon. Um, I don't know if it's a, a new game or just a VR version of an existing game, I think. It's a new game, yeah. It's called Horizon VR Call of the Mountain. Yeah. Um, so that is going to be that. Um, so yeah, 20 games is definitely a good number. So it'll give uh, everybody something to look forward to. Um, uh, according to the post here, 
Uh, Runner, a motorcycle racing game, and Samurai Slaughterhouse, a combat game, are listed. Among Us VR is being planned as well, but no official oh, title for that. Mm, I forgot about that game, actually. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that, that had kind of like a jump scare reveal, didn't it? Which mm-hmm. was uh, which was kind of funny. So, um, twenty games. Some of those will be like shorter tech demo-y sort of stuff. Again, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, if you want to show your audience or your <clears throat> your gamer um, of like, hey, this is what this thing's capable of doing. Um, that's a great way to do that. Again, that's where Astro can slot in pretty nicely. So looking forward to seeing that. Also looking forward to seeing... Because you've got a lot of like 3D... Obviously 3D audio at this point is a pretty normal thing. Um, I'm curious to see how they can blend like 3D audio immersive type stuff with haptic feedback stuff in this new controller. I can't remember if it's got a certain name, but this new controller. And obviously the immersion thing itself with VR and it's going to be a newer fresher thing and it's going to have you know hopefully better uh, visual stuff see as much as I've said a number of times about visuals and how much I don't kind of care for them in VR that stuff does that that that's where I do specifically care about that not good not like how good grass looks and stuff but whether I can see it properly because you know it's on my face uh, which is for me where uh squadrons didn't work at all because the draw distance wasn't very good and it it just didn't look right so but um i I wouldn't expect because with the squadron stuff as i explained at the time that's more sort of like games that support vr but aren't really sort of configured properly for it i'd expect these 20 games to all be configured properly for uh psvr uh, 2 so um i don't think you'll have too many of those problems but um yeah, again, if you've got like a tall neck in front of you and you've got a new PSVR goggle thing on, you'd expect to, you know, see it well, wouldn't you? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, be interesting. Again, combining those kind of elements, the haptic feedback, obviously, you know, a newer VR headset, um, 3D audio, the graphical kind of stuff that you've got as to what they can come out with um, should be good. Um, but... Uh, yeah, we'll see. What I, can. I see what I'm kind of expecting to happen and sort of waiting for, because I've got my VR thing at the moment. Um, I'm kind of wondering because the next VR game I'm looking forward to playing is Moss Two, which is already out. I'm sort of wondering if I should play nothing. Not that there's not going to be anything wrong with the version that's out now, but because I'm going to wait for a physical version of it anyway, so that I can rent it. If I wait for that to go on rental, if they do get a physical version of it, play that on my VR1 or wait probably quite a long time for them to make Moss 2 playable on VR2, which will be a probably better experience. Um, but I suppose I'll decide that for myself at uh, at some point. Um, but it's sort of like, you know when we get new consoles and stuff and they say like, hey, these old gen games, we kind of up them a bit. Uh, gave them better frame rates and stuff, and we gave you like next gen versions of previous games. And you think, oh, I should have waited to play it on that, but you know, you don't know what games that's going to happen to. I'm just wondering if I should do that for Moss or if I should just wait for the physical version. Uh, any guess as to what the 20 games could be, or one, one or two of them? Uh, well, they they did announce the three. Obviously, the Horizon spinoff, um, the Samurai game, which I'm guessing is like a hack and slasher, uh-huh. and then the motorcycle game. Probably, 
either updates of games that never came out on PSVR one mm-hmm. or just something that like you said would be a tech demo. Right. Uh, since I don't have a PS five and I don't have any real interest in playing VR games, it doesn't really matter, but it's still interesting to report on. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Um, cause some of the best games in VR are shooting games. So that's a pretty standard one. Things like sword games, that sort of stuff like the, uh, Vader episodes were really good. I'd, mm-hmm. I'd like another one of those. And um, I know you had a lot of fun with uh, Iron Man VR, so maybe another one of those. That would be good, yeah. See, see that's like... <clears throat> I'm never expecting to see an Iron Man VR 2, because like no one talked about that game. Uh, who knows, maybe it sold 2 million copies and I just have no idea. And they've got another one in development right now. Um, who knows, maybe it's announced at this state of play. We have, we have no idea what's, what's going to happen. Um, if that's announced on Thursday, I will probably jump out of my seat. <laughs> but sometimes with certain games, when you look at the reception around them and see no reception for certain games like Iron Man VR, sometimes you have to look at that and think, as much as you'd like another one, don't expect it. Um, but then if it does get announced, then your expectations are uh, are beaten. So we shall see. Uh, all right, that's it for that. What else do you have to talk about this week? Uh, well, the last thing I have comes from the desk of why isn't this already a thing? Mm-hmm. Um, historically, Twitch's policy has been to just ignore anybody when they get permabanned for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Um, some people kind of infer it. Some people take guesses at it, but they've never officially told why they get banned. The most recent one is for a high profile was the indefinite suspension of Destiny back in March. Obviously, the whole Dr. Disrespect thing has been a long, long drama for that. Um, But in a recent interview, uh, Twitch's vice president of trust and safety, Angela Hessen, told the Washington Post that they are looking into including clips of the infraction with suspension notification emails in the, quote, future. Um, Safety is a journey, she says, and this is the number one ask from our community. Uh, No, duh. So we're looking at how we can attach more detail for the people who understand, like the video itself. That's something we're definitely working on. Specifics and clarity will be revealed after Twitch has figured out how exactly to do that, because I find it utterly friggin' hilarious that they ban you, but then don't tell you why they ban you or what you can do to get unbanned, which is one of the reasons why I never really got into... Uh, streaming on Twitch just because you know, if I screw up, fine, I screwed up. Just tell me how I did it right, and yeah. tell me a way to fix it. Um, mm-hmm. It's also utterly hilarious when you have people that are clearly in violation of terms of service and they just ignore it for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. See, I don't use, like, for viewing, I don't use Twitch as much as YouTube, but... um. I don't know how many people talk about... YouTube's a pretty broken platform. I I, I posted this short little video on um, Twitter the other day of, like... Basically, there was a function I was trying to do on a video. There's, like, the not interested button, which in of itself doesn't actually work properly. And on the video I was trying to do it for, it wouldn't let me do it. And then I tried to do it on another video that I did want, and it let me do it on that. (coughs) So, yeah, YouTube's pretty broken. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, YouTube's a dumpster fire. I don't go right. on there if I don't I, have I just to mean anymore. Mechanically, I don't. I'm not even talking about like um, content creators. Just you know, 
the way that things actually work on YouTube, both from a viewer side and an uploader side, um, it's uh, it's not great, and it should be better because it's very very popular and a lot of people use it. Um, for myself, on uh, the the only problem I had recently, and again this was more of a YouTube specific thing, because um, <coughs> I noticed sometimes because sometimes when I'm doing my FIFA episodes. Uh, obviously, when I'm in the menus, sorting out my team and browsing to the next game and that sort of stuff, I have music that comes up. I don't know which of those songs are and are not copyrighted or what the the rules are on them, but I just sort of let it run. Um, and I had a part five of a video. I uploaded it again. I don't I I don't edit those streams or anything. Um, I just click export, put the title in, and just dump it on YouTube. Because it is YouTube to me, to me, the way I use it is just a place to put the videos that isn't Twitch. And if I leave them up there for too long, anyway, they'll expire and they won't exist anymore, which is kind of sad to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I uploaded a part five of the FIFA career mode episode, and then a couple of days later, I got an email saying the video was blocked worldwide. I thought, okay, that's pretty dramatic, <laughs> uh, and it said for copyrighted music. That that that's kind of dramatic, isn't it? I mean, because uh, I, I I see certain YouTubers and stuff post videos about like, oh, it's blocked in certain countries, or this part of the video is muted, or like, please edit this part out because it's got copyrighted music or something. But no, it was just blocked worldwide. The funny thing about that was, I went back to Twitch, the video thing on the, on the exact same video. I made no changes to it whatsoever. I re-uploaded the same video, and that one didn't get blocked. So, again, kind of broken. So, um, but yes, a, 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 as you as you said, a very very simple mechanic that should have been there from day one is <coughs> if Twitch does ban you for a reason, you have to tell or you should tell the user what reason that's for. Because then, if you say, "Hey, you said this," or "You used this music," or "You had." this in your video like the actual visual part of the video and it's not allowed for these reasons yeah tell the user okay you you did this or you showed this and it's against these rules and here is maybe the clip of the part where you did the thing wrong maybe if you take it out or something um because that's usually what youtube asks you to do is they they give you a specific edit tool and say hey if you clip out this one minute or something um we will like clear your copyright claim. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a mess. The whole like copyright blocking banning thing for for YouTube and for Twitch is it's a bit of a mess on both sides. So, yeah. Uh, have you heard any specific stories from anybody? Any content creators that you follow? Uh, well, there's a YouTube channel that I follow called Streamers Reloaded, and they cover a lot of things on it. Um, but the biggest issue I've always had is just the hypocritical inconsistencies with it. Mm. Like I remember one episode a while back, um, this rando streamer, never heard of him, um, was scrolling through his, uh, um, discord feed Uh and he had like half a second of nudity and got a week ban, uh, a full week. Um, obviously that is technically against times of service to have nudity on there. Um, but then literally the next day, some streamer went live, she claims, accidentally, and did full spread eagle in front of the camera, like, straight up in there. One day ban. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's where, you know, the final details of things are not quite yeah sorted out and that sort of context is important as well for like mm-hmm. what these people get banned for so yeah like if you um, could put on a, if like i said he was going through his discord half a second if they it's like yeah you had this just take a day off you know most people would be understanding it's like yeah it was an accident do the day so we could say we did the punishment but a week for a half a second of nudity and um the thing that really really gets me with the the streamer that went the full nude on there. If uh, she had people on her stream that were under the age of eighteen, technically that's a crime. Mm-hmm. Um, so not, and you've had some streamers straight up saying, "I trafficked illegal drugs on their stream live," and they are still partnered and they are still allowed to stream. Yeah. See, one of the questions I have is some of these. Some of the way these features work is automated, and you can tell by the way certain things are phrased. Mm-hmm. Like a bot has just grabbed a video and like, hey, music, ban the whole video or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and there will be some, because there are some companies that, because YouTube will tell, I don't know how this works on Twitch, but YouTube will tell you like, this has been manually claimed by so-and-so, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is where they've like scrubbed through the video. And uh, like, hey, they're not allowed to use this, we'll like ping them for that. Um, but yeah, that stuff's got to be sorted out because again, it's just it it doesn't work properly. So mm-hmm. yeah, and it's not like Twitch doesn't have enough money to throw <laughs> software engineers oh, yeah. and coders at it. I mean, they're owned by Amazon for friggin' sake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So here we go. Uh, all right, you said that was the last thing you had. Yep, that's the last thing I got. Cool. Let's get some emails, some feedback, and whatnot. Uh, if you'd like to write into the show, if you've got any experience of YouTube and or Twitch not working properly for either the uploader side or the viewer side, let us know. And I'd specifically like to know about YouTube stuff because I have many stories I could tell about how often YouTube just doesn't really work properly. So Yeah, um, I miss the early days of YouTube when you could actually have fun and make content, you know, mm-hmm. to quote the movie before the dark times, <laughs> before the Susan. <laughs> and I don't... I forget her last name. It's something really long and unpronounceable. I have no but, idea. But uh, she's so. in charge, and she destroys fun. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm more just basically talking about subscribing to somebody on YouTube and then never seeing their content. Yep. Shadow so. banning. It's All a real right. thing. All right. Or subscribing and dinging the bell. Why am I having to ding a bell? What's <laughs> up? Anyway, if you'd like to write in, let me know your thoughts, feelings, questions, comments about anything we've mentioned or anything that you would like to mention in the world of gaming. Uh, Method Entertainment Talk.org, uh, Twitter, eTalkUK, there's a contact page and information in your show notes. There's also the uh, uh, email box on the website version of the episode. If you scroll down just a little bit, you'll see that and the clickable email name in your show notes. <coughs> Excuse me. Harrison says, uh, so Matt, lots of discussion for the PS Classics. What are you planning to play? on launch day uh well assuming i'm not buried by 200 shows that are coming out in the month of june um because there is actually june 22nd is when umbrella academy season three comes out and paramount plus launches so that's gonna be four shows for me to watch because there'll be the halo series which i'm interested in the star trek new world star trek discovery and of course, Umbrella Academy itself. Whatever, whatever else is on Paramount Plus, I'm not completely sure. But those are the three shows I'm going to. So that'll be four new shows for me to watch 
on that day, or one returning show, three new shows, uh, and a complete new subscription service with games. So you know, it's going to be a busy day. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, depending on depending on what I don't have to watch, you know, four episodes of those shows or, or whatever. I can choose whatever I want to do, but still. Um, definitely planning on playing the uh, Toy Story 2 game. I do want to stream that from the start, and given that it's supposed to be a very short game, because PlayStation 1 games typically are very short, unless your name is Metal Gear Solid. Um, yeah, I do I do want to stream the Toy Story 2 game, because again, it's Toy Story. Um, I don't know if I'll jump into Abe, because I have played both that version of Abe and the, and the remasters. Um, so I don't know that I need to play it, but I could, you know, jump in and see what it's like. Uh, Ape Escape. I played Ape Escape 2, the PS2 classic version on PS4, and I liked it, but it didn't sort of like, that That, that wasn't my nostalgia spot, Ape Escape. Um, but the fascinating thing with that, which was, that was the first proper use of the analog sticks, because you can't play Ape Escape. Uh, one or, or any of the Ape Escape games without the analog sticks, because that's literally how the game works. Because uh, you have your tool thing and you swing it around with your right stick. Um, so again, maybe may I'll just jump in and just check out what that's like. Um, it depends, because there might be certain classic games I've brought that I've forgotten about that I want to play. I do want to give Tomb Raider another try. Um, and the interesting thing with Tomb Raider, that's a very punishing game but these games are going to have rewind features so when Laura dies Lara sorry dies I'll be able to rewind 30 seconds <laughs> and correct my mistake uh, and you'll be able to you can save at like any point and that kind of stuff which is really good so that will be a better opportunity for me to play those two rarely games or if I miss a jump and I don't have to wait two minutes for the game to reload but on launch day, I do want to, in some way, shape, or form, at least play some of the Toy Story 2 game. Because, uh, again, it's Toy Story, and it means more than most things in the world. Uh, so that's what I'm going to pretty much try. I'm going to have like a br- I'm gonna have a general browse around first to see what the PlayStation Store looks like, what other games are available. Uh, the Last of Us Left Behind is going to be part of this, um, obviously not the Classics Collection, but the other thing. So I'm going to download that as well, uh, and I will play that eventually. But that's obviously a different like set of games. But I don't know I'll, I'll just kind of see what's there and kind of go from there. But yes, definitely Toy Story two at uh, at some point. Uh, Beth writes in and says, "Really enjoyed episode three hundred. Very glad." I uh, was just curious if anyone else was meant to show up for three hundred. Um, I did ask a couple of people. Um, I did ask uh, Hannah, who was used to be part of the Yogscast team. I do talk to her on sporadic occasions. Uh, she's a very busy person, so I don't expect her to reply all the time. She has her own work that she needs to do, and she's very good at doing it. Uh, she wasn't able to attend, unfortunately. Um, I'm still trying to chat to her to do something with her, because it doesn't have to be a special episode. It can just be uh, whatever, particularly. Uh, but I'm in conversations with her at the moment. Um, but she wasn't able to make it. And I did talk to one other person. I think I asked Bex. I think I did. Um, didn't ask. Gray doesn't play games anyway, so there's not much point in asking Gray. Mm-hmm. And of course, David was here as well, so that's that's kind of how it worked out. So, um, 
yeah, I guess that answers that question. Uh, and lastly, Maddie says, uh, Hey Robert, I know you are looking for that next big game for your Series X, because you do have that now, don't you? Mm-hmm. Um, but any plans to play anything else on your PS4? Um, I t- I power it on every now and then um, to see if there's a, like a, a sale I want. Mm-hmm. Um, I do need at some point to go back and replay uh, God of War. Um, I just get too much going on right now to really... Invested in. Um, outside of the random games that I play, when I have five or ten minutes, I'm mostly just streaming something in the background um, while I'm doing other things. Um, trying, you know, trying to catch up on this show or that show mm-hmm. halfway. So, um, but yeah, I'm, I I do need to go back and play uh, God of War. Um, at some point, I'm probably gonna I'm gonna want to play uh, Miles Morales. Um, but I don't know if that's PS5 only or if there's a PS4 version. I actually have to check on that's, that. That's something for. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that game I, I'll probably get if there's like a holiday deep sale. Um, probably hop on that. Um, mm. That should be cheap by now. That's, I think the game's two years old. Yeah, but they still they never put it on sale. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it would make sense for Sony to do a sale when the new PS Plus launches. Surely. Yeah. So. Um. You played the first Horizon, didn't you? Yeah, I played through the first Horizon. I didn't hundred percent it. I I don't hundred percent games. It's story. never really yeah. been a thing. Um, I played it for the story, so mm-hmm. yeah, I finished the story and then I was kind of done with it. Okay. Um, I was just wondering because the second one's on PS4. So, uh, did you have an interest in that? Uh, tangentially, just to see if it succeeds or not. So, uh, but other than that, no, not really. Okay. Okay. Um, and at some point, Robert's going to do a full platinum run of The Last of Us 2, aren't you? So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> He's going to stream it all. Um, Alright, uh, what else is on PS... I'm trying to think what else is on PS4. Because I, 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 try- I was thinking the other day, because you mentioned like Cyberpunk and stuff. I can't think of any like big games on the Series X that would be like a good thing for you to play. Uh, now, a lot of them do have the enhanced for Series X, yeah, and I do notice I mean, that. Yeah. Um, and the, the whole quick start thing, that is a game changer. Having four games that, you know, when you're like me and you kind of, you know, five minutes here, 10 minutes there with games, the fact that you can quick start up to four of them and they just pop right in. That was amazing. That was really cool. That is something I'd really, really like actually. Um, cause then can you do, can you, can you do that? Um, let's say you got cyberpunk. And you got it. If you've got a disc game, does it still keep the save state if you take the disc out and swap out another game, or is that only for digital games? That I don't know. Okay. Because I've only seen it done on uh, uh, digital games. Okay. Because I'm wondering if you take out the disc, um, if it like cuts the save state thing. So, because that that's something. Because then I would be able to do that with FIFA. Um. And then if I've got like an ongoing story game, let's say like Guardians, and obviously I'm changing from that to COD. COD you wouldn't need that for because you're in a multiplayer lobby. Uh, yeah. Because um, there, there's no... Re- I can't think of a reason, right? As to... Because that's, that's the weird thing with PlayStation. You've got those cards. Mm-hmm. But... Because um, I did test this the other day. 
I think I did it. I think I did it with a digital game. I think I did it with The Last of Us 2. Where I saved the game. And this was during my grounded run. Because again you can't save during permadeath. I saved on the grounded run. I fully like closed the game. And then on that it said like. Story progress something or other. It didn't say here's your save state. Here's your saved game from this point. It just said. You are doing story progression. Like this is the last thing you did on this game. There was a card there. But when I boot, when I clicked on it, it did it from a boot up state instead of jumping straight in. What I would like games to do, and you could, there's no reason you couldn't do this on a PS5 and a Series X. If you're talking about Series S, then maybe there's a reason you couldn't do it. I would like, let's say Guardians, right? So Guardians is a disc-based game. So let's say I'm playing Guardians. I make a save file, and then. So I save it at whatever point. <coughs> I then minimize the game, close it, and then let's say I boot up COD. Again, it would work differently with COD because it's multiplayer lobbies, and if you back away from the game anyway, it will close the lobby. You boot into that, then let's say I close COD, put the disc for Guardians back in. What you should be able to do, if this you have those card systems, or you don't really need to have the cards, you have like a an option that would say... Here's your last save game. You click on that and it would boot into a resume point. But not boot from like a fresh screen thing. Where it shows all the the splash screen loading thing. There's no reason these systems shouldn't be able to do that. And if you do want to limit it to like let's say. Because I'm not expecting to do that with 20 games or something. Um, but if you could do it with 4 games that, that makes sense. Uh, but yeah I'm just wondering if you can do that with disc based games. So... Yeah, um, do do you agree that the I think these consoles should be able to do that, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, and for somebody like me that does switch between games and stuff, I would uh, very much like to have that feature. So, um, but uh, there we go. That's what we got for you for this week's episode of Gaming Talk. Uh, thank you all very much for listening. Um, and by the way, I wouldn't expect something like that on the Switch. I think the Switch is like that's a bit older, so. Um, wouldn't make quite so much sense. Uh, anyway, thank you very much mm-hmm. for listening. You can find everything else that we do on entertainmenttalk.org for our TV, games, films, and Marionite United podcast. Uh, there's going to be a few episodes this week for different stuff. Chat podcast Wednesday. Um, talking about different things there, so look out for that. A few reviews. Westworld's coming back soon. Um, and some other stuff that we're doing. But TV, games, films, Marionite United podcast. Take a look out for all of that. Either on entertainmenttalk.org all your favourite podcast platforms. Uh, you can also support us by also, of course, listening to more episodes that we've got on those different places. You can also tell other people about what we're doing and where they can find it, uh, either by just telling them or using social media. You can also support us through Patreon, which is the $1, $3 level tiers for ad-free podcast review options, so take a look at that as well. Um, what is the other thing that you can do? Uh, that's how you can support Entertainment Talk. Uh, if you want your TV and your film news, and you're going to want to keep your eyes on TV news at the moment, because there is a lot of shows, either new shows starting or shows coming back. So there's a lot of air dates to keep track of, but you can do that by going to geektown.co.uk, Geektown Radio, keep your eyes on those air dates, and of course TV and film news in general. Uh, geektown.co.uk and Geektown Radio, uh, Geektown Radio episodes come out on Tuesdays, so look out for all of that, lots of stuff going on there. Bex is streaming pretty much daily over on Twitch, you can find her by looking for Trista, B-Y-T-E-S, you can also find her on Instagram and Twitter as well. 
so keep your eyes out for all that you can also follow me on twitch as well the talk uk for my different gaming streams and you can find the up-to-date archived uh, twitch streams and gameplay videos and stuff over on youtube which is entertainment talk plays um so check out all of that thanks very much for listening and we'll see you next time goodbye goodbye <laughs>